If anyone could understand being called out upon the waters, it would be Joseph. He went from being the proud, favored son to begging for his life in a pit as his brothers awaited to kill him. Finally, they equivocated and they decided, we don't have to kill him ourselves. They saw a merchant train coming along, some Ishmaelites, distant relatives of theirs, heading down to Egypt. And they said, we'll simply sell him. And so they sold him out of the pit. And they uh, sent him down and he leaves the pit and enters the house of Potiphar. And he enters the house and he is a servant He is the lowest of the low, not only because he is a slave, but also because he is a Hebrew. His ethnicity causes the Egyptians to disdain and despise him. They would not have anything to do. They had an anti-Semitic viewpoint. Not only were they more powerful, but they were better and above the Semitic peoples. And so he enters the household as the lowest of the low, far, far from the land of his father and his father's God. And there he simply begins to serve as God has called upon him to be faithful in any and every situation that he's in. Here he, despite his regret, despite his hurt, he serves. And he begins to serve faithfully. Before long, he moves from being an outside servant to an inside servant. Before long, Potiphar notices everything this man touches, something special happens. There is a blessing upon his life. There is something different and unique about this young man named Joseph. And so he continues to promote him up the ladder of of his household servants. And and this was not just any rich Egyptian. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh himself. He was a man who would have been at the very top, the greatest echelons of the society of Egypt. And he would have many, many servants, some who had served him for years. And yet Joseph surpassed all of them through his grief, sorrow, anger, disappointment, everything that he went through as his brothers cast him out. He continued to serve. And God's hand was upon him, and he was blessed. And eventually Potiphar placed him above all the other servants. The Bible says that Potiphar trusted him so much that Potiphar didn't know anything that was going on in his house except for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's the only thing he even had to worry about. The Bible literally tells us that. That's how much he entrusted into the care of Joseph. And things were going well. Well, as well as they could when you were exiled and a slave and away from all of your people. But things were going well, so it seemed. But then the situation arises, and that's where we pick up in our scripture reading today. In the book of Genesis, chapter 39, we read beginning in verse 7. Oh, wait, let me just go back. And verse 6 just happens to tell us that Joseph is, by the way, he's a good-looking fella. He just happened, you know, some families you look at and 
Man, they just all seem to have it. Well, the Bible points out for whatever reason, it tells us about his grandmother many, many chapters earlier in, in, in the book of uh, Genesis that, that uh, his grandmother Sarah was a beautiful woman. And later on, it tells us about his mother being a beautiful woman. And here it just happens to say that, that he was well-built and he was a great, uh, good-looking appearance. And so we pick up in verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, that is Potiphar's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me, but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Be great if that was the end of it. That's a pretty grand speech. I would like to think that she'd have listened and say, oh, that's how you feel about it. Let me just back off and give you some space. But that's not how the story goes. In verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Joseph Day by day, day by day, he, she kept on and she kept on, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to mock us. He came in with me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard I lifted my voice and cried out. He left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to mock me. And so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. And so it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. You know, we would all like to believe that when we're living right and that we're doing right, then our world is going to be right. We would all like to believe that if we have the right motives, that if we have the right spirit, the right heart, then everyone's going to understand that from us and they're going to choose to respond accordingly to us and deal with us in a kind and loving and gentle manner. That hadn't been life as Joseph had known it so far. We began weeks earlier talking about Joseph and his life, and he was the favored son. He was kind of the, the golden child. And so maybe he deserved a little bit of the disregard or frustration from his brothers. He didn't deserve murder. He didn't deserve to be sold into slavery, but he was. He gets in this house, and he starts over, and... Life's building back up. And then this comes along to kick him back down. 
How frustrating it is at times in life when we think, okay, I've gone through a rough spot, I messed up in my life, or someone else messed me up, but now I'm on the right path. And we somehow assume that that path is this perfect 45-degree angle where we're just going upward and everything is going to work out just fine because God loves us and we're on his side, and so things are just going to keep getting better and better. We like to think that way. Sometimes we even like to preach that way. I remember hearing a, a sermon series on Joseph, and it was called From the Pit to the Palace. <laughs> you know, it makes it sound like he went straight from that pit, straight up. But that's not the way it went. Joseph's story looked like this. <laughs> and our stories look a lot like that, too. We go through a lot of ups and downs. Our stories look a lot like roller coasters as much as we'd want them to be a straight line upward. What is God telling us in this story over 3,000 years old? What does an ancient, ancient story have to do with us today? Most of us, when we look at this story, we, we can think of at least one thing, and that is temptation. We can think about what Joseph faced, the temptation that he faced being there in that house. And isn't it interesting that just like in life, temptation just doesn't come along once and say, hey, by the way, will you do this bad thing? <laughs> oh, you don't want to do that? All right, let me just leave you to yourself and it'll all be okay. That's not the way that temptation works. Temptation comes along maybe with a sultry voice, maybe with a forceful voice, maybe saying everybody else is doing it. Maybe if you want to get along in life, you'll do it. And when you say, no, I don't want to do that, it doesn't just walk away. Oh, maybe just for a little while. Even our Lord and Savior, as he was tempted by Satan and he defeated Satan after those 40 days in the desert, Satan tempts him with those three temptations and the Bible says he leaves and goes away forever, right? No. What it says is Satan leaves until he can come back at a more opportune time. That is, Satan doesn't say, oh, she's having a weak time right now. Oh, he's having it rough, so I'll leave him alone. No, Satan exactly targets you and I during those difficult times in our life. And when you're at your weakest and your tiredest and your lowest, or maybe when you're full of yourself because you're at your best, Satan comes along and he tempts and he tempts and he tempts. And he tries to wear us down and get us to where we will fall into his traps. Imagine Joseph and the thoughts that must have gone through his head. You know, we often like to rationalize our sin, right? You know that I've, I've, I've rarely ever heard anyone who admitted a sin they committed and while they're still committing it said, yeah, you're right, I'm just sinning. I'm just doing bad. It's, I'm sinning, but. And then comes the justification. Well, you don't know what they've done to me. Well, they didn't pay me enough. Well, you don't understand my situation, how mean she's been to me. You don't know what happened in the past. And Joseph, if he was like a lot of us when we get to thinking and justifying our sins, I mean, he could have had everyone in the world, right? Hey, I mean, my God, who I'm served, 
Where's he? I loved him. I served him back in Israel. I begged him on that caravan to let me escape. He's not here. Where's my family? My father apparently doesn't care about me. See, he didn't know that his father thought he was dead. He knew what his brothers thought about him. He could have said, you know, with everything I go through, I deserve it. Maybe he could have stood strong a few times and said, you know, I, I've really resisted enough. I mean, can anything more be expected of me? I'm a red-blooded Hebrew male. I mean, come on. She's offering herself. She's throwing herself at me. And on and on and on, he could have justified himself. But he ends up telling her, he says, uh-uh, I can't do this. And he kind of makes a big explanation. And the first part of it is all about Potiphar himself. He said, look, Potiphar has took me from the lowest to the low Hebrew slaves, and he's exalted me in command over all of his business, all of his household. There's only one thing he said off limits, and that's you. He said, do whatever you want with everything else because I trust you, Joseph. And he said, how could I do such a wicked thing? And then he says, even more than that, how could I dishonor and sin against God in this great way? You see, when we sin, we not only harm others, we harm our Lord and our relationship with him. And Joseph says, no, I won't do it. But again, she doesn't stop. She keeps on. And you get the idea, uh, almost comical. You get the idea of Joseph's in the house. He sees her. He goes this way. You know, She's there. He goes this way. He does his best to never be in the house with her alone. He does everything he can to get out of, keep out of this situation. And what does the Bible tell us in the New Testament? Flee temptation. It never, ever says what some of us think. I'm a good Christian, and I'm going to prove how good of a Christian is, but I'm going to just stay right in this temptation, but I'm going to stand strong. No, the Bible tells us to flee, get out of there, run away. And he did everything he could to not be around that temptation. But a day came when he was doing his job, and he looks up, and all the other servants have gone. And here comes Miss Potiphar. It's just, I got him now. I got him now. Nobody's around. And he has the audacity to refuse. He has the audacity to say no. And she can't take it. She screams, hey, you better come back here. You better do this. And he's gone. You ever seen those basketball pants the pro players wear, you know, right when they're ready to go to the game and, and they just whoosh, and they just whip right off. Well, that's about how I think his coat was. She grabs his coat, and he's like, I'm gone. I'm out. And he flies out like he's got a tearaway tunic going on. He gets out of there, and she's so mad and so angry and so frustrated. How dare he, this slime Hebrew slave, refuse her? And a little plan comes into her mind. <laughs> I know what I'll do. I got this coat. This is evidence. This is proof. And so she carries it out. Help! Help! The Hebrews have been having a sport with me. This man that we trusted and brought into our own home, look what he's done. 
And she tells the story to everyone that will hear it. And finally, Potiphar comes home, and the Bible says that he was enraged. His anger was greatly aroused when he hears this story. He ends up in prison. Once again, life started to go up. There it goes again. So temptation is one way to look at this story. And yet we can't uh, live through what we have in our society. And also nowadays, in 2019, we have to see through the lens of the Me Too movement and the all that's gone on in our country about workplace harassment and sexual harassment. You know, it's so interesting to me that the Bible, no matter how many thousands of years ago, people are people. And sin is sin, and human relationships are human relationships. And the same things that happen today, there might be different cultures, and there might be different rituals and traditions, but people are people. And when you look at it through the lens it wasn't just a temptation, it was an outright harassment. Joseph, although he might have been a strapping young man, was literally powerless against this woman. At her word, he could be beaten. He could be the whatever could happen to him. He was a lowly slave. He had no rights. We feel sorry for those who have gone through this. We, we support those who've gone through difficulties. And we know that they don't always get their fair shake in the court or in the legal system as much as we want that to happen. And we try for that to happen in our country. But there was no legal recourse for Joseph. He had no way to speak out or to protect himself. And by the way, the Bible certainly tells us as Christians, shows us examples that you look at the Apostle Paul, whenever he had rights he needed to use as a Roman to save himself, he was happy to say, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, and claim those rights and trust the legal process when he needed to. But Joseph didn't have one. We look at this story and we understand that how tricky and difficult these issues are. We see that not only in this, uh, we hear about those who have been sexually harassed, end up being victimized twice often. As they are victimized at first, and they are victimized again when they are not believed. And this exactly happens here to Joseph because the story is turned. Not only is he harassed day in and day out and constantly pushed and baited and harassed, and he finally breaks free and says, I'm out of here. The story turns and he's the bad guy. And so we learn that human nature is the same. We learn that circumstances and situations such as these should be taken very seriously because often what ha really happens is not always there on the surface to see. I think as much as we can see in his life a story of resisting temptation and a, and a story of going through harassment, the greatest thing we see in Joseph's life at this time is that it's really not about Joseph, but it's about God and God's love for Joseph. And that is the story of Scripture. The Bible specifically says five times in this chapter in different ways, 
it says God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. Over and over again, it hammers that point in. God was with Joseph. What does that mean? Well, partially for him, it meant that God blessed his work. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be a super craftsman or at the top of your field just because you love Jesus. But most of all, it means that God is with you through every up and every down that you go through. So many Christians get disappointed and upset and disturbed when they say, I, but I've been following God and yet this happened to me. I was falsely accused. I was robbed of what I should have had. I, I was thrown away. People didn't care about me. And on and on it goes. Maybe a physical thing, a financial thing, whatever your burden is to bear, and you don't get it because you say, God, I was trying to live for you. And God's saying, thank you for living me, living for me, but was it just so that you would have what you wanted? Are you living for me so you'll have good health or so you'll have money or success or fame? Because we're living for God because we love him. That's what he calls us to do. And God says, because I loved you first. And so God never promises, if you serve me, you won't be in the pit. If you serve me, you won't ever be falsely accused. You won't ever be betrayed. You won't ever be hurt. He says, if you love me like I've loved you, I'm going to be with you. And so when you are in the pit, when you're bound, when you're down, when you're devastated by life, when things haven't gone the way that they're supposed to go, God says, I'm with you. Whether it is the pit or the palace or the prison, whatever high and low you go through in life, those altitudes are not important. Proximity to God is important. Closeness to him. And Joseph begins to understand somewhere along this way that his life is not just to be about being the favorite son who's good-looking and who's talented and who's a favorite among people. He starts to understand that all that kind of stuff can be taken away in a heartbeat. But what cannot be taken away is the presence of God. And I hope that's a word of encouragement to you today, wherever you're at in your life, whatever you're facing or going through, good or bad, all that can change in a heartbeat. But what no one can take from you is God and his presence. And by the way, no one can take from you your integrity. Just as Joseph stood strong, others may falsely talk about you and accuse you, and they may take your reputation, but they cannot take your integrity. And I encourage you this morning to be like Joseph, to hold on to your God, and to hold on to your integrity as you serve him faithfully. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we come to you and we thank you for your blessings upon us. And God, we pray now that as we have sing this song, that we would open ourselves to your work in our life. God, that we would come before you in prayer. God, just open ourselves. 
confess what we need to confess, unload our burdens, our fears upon you, come to you for strength or discernment, lift up our families or our brothers and sisters in Christ, or those who don't even know you, lift them up to you. God, may we truly desire to meet you, because we already know you're here. May we commune with you, meet with you right now in this time and place. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.